Good Sunday morning and welcome to this edition of Get Your Love on Radio here on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. We have an amazing show for you today. An amazing show. And happy Father's Day to all those incredible fathers out there and all those incredible father figures, whether you're the biological father or not, is irrelevant. God honors you as the head of that household, and we are going to be honoring God Almighty today for the next two hours and through the rest of the day. We're here every Sunday from 9 to 11 a.m. to feed your soul, to bless your soul. And this show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. And the the reality is, my friends, you know, a lot of people talk about God and try to understand him. But the only way to do that, the only way to actually know God Almighty is through the word of God knowing his word. And when we know God, when we know our word, no matter what life throws at us, it doesn't matter what it looks like, we'll be able to understand these situations and circumstances from God's perspective. And God is the creator of all eternity. He is the creator of all things. He knows exactly what he needs to get out of every situation in order to make it profitable for each one of our souls and to make it matter for each one of our lives. So today's show is very, we have a very, very personal story and very extraordinary real life account of the magnitude of God's work. It's the largeness of his ways and how extremely dire circumstances can actually be seen as a blessing. As we pray, as we seek God, as we give our all to him, he gives his all to us. God's promises are true. Let's get into the word. Proverbs 10 verse 22 is an incredible scripture. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Now, if you were just to read that and just kind of take it on face value, you'd think, wow, serving the Lord means I've got a big bank account and I'm never sad. And there's great realities here to this life that being a Christian helps us get through and walk victoriously through. Being a Christian doesn't mean we don't go through things. Being a Christian means we know how to be victorious through all things. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so when we say in Proverbs, when it says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. Let's dive into what those words mean to understand what the word actually means and what God is actually saying to our soul here. So the Hebrew meaning of the word blessing, it means prosperity. Certainly, God wants us to prosper physically, financially, and spiritually. And actually, prospering spiritually is the most important thing. And when we prosper spiritually, it makes the rest of that equation, the financial prosperity and the physical prosperity, happen as well. So the meaning of blessing is prosperity. It means liberal. It means pool, a massive massive abundance that you can just swim in. Present. It's a gift. That's what a blessing is. Interestingly enough, the root meaning 
The root word of the word blessing is to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration. It's a blessing of God. It's a gift from God to actually be brought to our knees so we can fully adore him. To be humbled so we can fully appreciate him. You know, I mentioned it is Father's Day, and oftentimes when we're children, there's no way to appreciate what our fathers do for us. There's no way to appreciate what our incredible parents or those wonderful parental figures in our life actually laid down for us to be able to understand. But as we get older and we get experiences of our own and we recognize, wow, this is a real challenge or wow, that is a real challenge. And my parents just walked through it or my dad just helped me through this. As we gain that experience, we learn to adore them and appreciate them more. Well, that's a gift. And God gives us gifts. He gives us blessings to help us understand how to kneel before him and adore him, how to truly recognize Jesus Christ of Nazareth's sacrifice, how to truly know how to live in his full victory. That's a blessing from God to be able to kneel before him and adore him, appreciate him, understand him even more. That is a blessing. So the blessings of the Lord, yes, it maketh rich. Well, what does that word rich mean? It has nothing to do with a bank account. My my friends, this is not a financial transaction. In the world, pretty much everything seems to be some kind of financial transaction. You give me this, I give you that. Blah, 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 blah. That is not God. The Hebrew meaning of the word rich, this is incredible. To accumulate, to grow. So it seems what we want to grow and what we want to accumulate would be the real key here. We want to grow and accumulate in godly knowledge, godly wisdom, faith, virtue, love, joy, peace, all the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we want to accumulate and grow. And so if you only look at a financial transaction as a means of knowing, oh, I'm, I'm, God's blessing me financially. I must be doing everything right. You're missing out on a lot of God. And there, this scripture is true when we look at that bigger picture. This scripture's not necessarily relegated to just financial riches at all. That's part of it. God does give us financially abundant in, in abundance. But there's so much more to it. There's so much more. So the blessing of the Lord, that humbling out, that ability to kneel before him and truly adore him, that blessing, it maketh rich. It helps us grow and, and accumulate wisdom and knowledge, faith, love for one another. That's what it does. And then this last part says, he addeth no sorrow with it. Well, the Greek meaning, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew meaning of the word sorrow, it's usually painful, but also general toil, grievous, idle labor. God, his ways are perfect. He doesn't waste our time. He doesn't waste our effort. He doesn't waste anything. So when, when we get these blessings from the Lord, when we are taught these lessons, when we allow ourselves to become rich in God, to accumulate that knowledge and to grow before the Lord, he doesn't waste anything. There's no sorrow to it. There's no, 
there's no, man, that was a total waste of time or, oh, there goes five years of my life. Not at all. God's ways are perfect. He doesn't waste anything. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, if you're listening to this right now, you are called of God according to his purpose, which is what? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, strength, and soul. That's the first and great commandment. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. In that, we fulfill all the law and the prophets. And so as we do those things, as we give our all to God, we know that he is giving us those rich blessings, those incredible lessons, those wonderful ways to grow and expand our heart and expand our ability to love, feel compassion, have hope through desperate situation. You're going to hear about that today. How to have hope through desperate situations. Lives are on the line. What do you do? That's what you're going to get today. So stay tuned. Because the Lord wants us to have these blessings. He wants us to know how to stand strong and confidently in his word, in his power, in his might, in his true authority. God does not put us in situations to just toil, to just labor without progress. He wants us to grow and accumulate spiritually, financially, and physically. All of the above. Why? Because God is in all things. He he created all things. So our ability to grow and prosper is in all things when we seek him. So how does this growth happen? It happens when we take full responsibility for our own individual walk before God Almighty. This growth happens when we choose to go all out for God. You know, if you've had a good father or an excellent father figure in your life or you know, just someone you've looked up to as a father figure. I, I'd bet dollars to donuts that they instructed those who look up to them to go all out, 100% effort, never quit, keep going. And that's what we get to do before God Almighty. We get to give him our all. The best part of that is God's ways are perfect and his promises are true. And he says, you reap what you sow. So when we give our all with God, we know he's going to give his all to us. And again, he's the creator of all things, the known and unknown universe. He sees all eternity. He can give us all things like that. And you're going to hear more about that again. So we, we get to take full responsibility for our own individual walks. We get to say, okay, Lord, I'm choosing to give you my all. I'm going to focus on that first and foremost. In Jude 1, verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Such a good key here, praying in the Holy Ghost. If you're not familiar with how to have the Holy Spirit in your in your soul every second of every day, go to getyourloveon.org. We have those resources for you. If, you're, if you've been baptized and you're not sure if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, getyourloveon.org. We, we've got all those resources, all those answers for you. And of course, you can always reach out and contact us. But isn't that interesting? It says, but ye beloved, 
building up yourselves on your most holy faith. This is a very personal walk. It's very individual. You get to talk to your God, God Almighty, the same God that created the Grand Canyon, the same God that put all those beautiful fish and life in the ocean and on, the, and on land. He's your God. And we get to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's a real key there. There's a very particular reason that scripture is worded exactly how it is. So again, if some of that's not familiar to you, go to getyourloveon.org. We have those answers available for you. And it's always free. It'll never cost a dime. And we'll never try to reach out to drag for money or anything like that. It's always free. This is Jude 1 verse 21. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Isn't that wonderful? There's so many things pulling us in a thousand different directions in this life. Work, school, jobs, other people that maybe don't have the best of intentions for our lives that aren't godly. They're still yanking on us and pulling us in a hundred different directions. It's our responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. The good news is he's eternity big. (laughs) So as we seek him, we will keep ourselves in the love of God. As we say, just bless him and say, Lord, I love you so much. Thanks for this breath this morning. We will be keeping ourselves in the love of God. It says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What is that mercy? Now, we know that Jesus Christ gives us eternal life, and that is extraordinarily merciful. And you'll hear more today, too, about the incredible precision of God and the incredible mercies of God. A large part of that mercy also, while we're on this in this life and going through things and, and dealing with the realities of this life, a a large part of that mercy is Christ's overcoming power. So Christ is victorious. When we have the Holy Spirit, we are victorious because we have Christ within our hope of glory. All of his victory, all of his power, all of his strength, all of his authority is tucked within us. That's why, that's what it is to build us, build yourself up in your most holy faith. It's to build up that Holy Spirit in you. It's to allow Christ's victory to well up in you and to be propelled through your own life and that that mercy is Christ's overcoming power so it doesn't matter what it looks like doesn't matter how devastating the circumstances are Christ says this in John 16:33 these things have i spoken unto you that you might have peace god almighty wants our souls to be at peace So the things that Christ speaks to us, the instruction he gives us, those blessings that make us rich, they add no sorrow because they they give us that peace. They add no sorrow because our souls know God is doing something great and we can be patient. We can be long-suffering. We can allow God to do great things in our life. Because we understand and because we have peace in our souls. It says, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
So again, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter how dire the, the situation, how, how devastating the diagnosis. Stage four, stage terminal cancer, that doesn't matter. God doesn't look at that. God doesn't care. Have you been told that you have a genetic condition that you're never going to be healed from? God doesn't care. God can do heal you in an instant. And you're going to hear about God's awesome healing power, instant healing power, and also an elongated healing for the purpose of God in today's show. So stay tuned because God wants us to have his blessings that make make us rich and add no sorrow. They're not going to waste our time. They're not going to cause endless toil and endless purposeless motion. Everything God does is purposeful. And in the world, you shall have tribulation. We know that there are challenges in this life. And being a Christian, walking with Christ does not eliminate those challenges. But what it does is give us an understanding and gives us joy to rely on God's purpose through those challenges and trust God for a perfect healing. Trust God for his perfect work and trust him in all of it. That's what it does. Why do we know that? Because we know that Christ overcame the world, like he said. So we get to be of good cheer when we're walking in Christ, when we're walking in the Holy Spirit, when we're building ourselves up in the most holy faith. We are indeed overcoming the world just like Christ did. And we will, yes, be a very good cheer no matter what the circumstances look like to the outside. We can rely on God and his understanding to guide our heart, to guide our soul, and to guide our mind. To be very circumspect and be very focused on what the Lord has to say. So the question is, can you be of good cheer through tribulation? I was speaking with a beautiful soul yesterday who said that she lost her son and she didn't think there was pain more unbearable than that. And shortly thereafter, two years later, she lost her husband as well. And she just said, I didn't know that that God, I, I just gave up because I, I figured there is no God. But through God's graciousness and through that healing balm over time, she said, no, I know that all those things happen for a reason. And now I can say that I love God and that those things happen for a reason. And that's that blessing of God that maketh so rich that it doesn't matter what we go through. We know who God is and we have that understanding. And he addeth no sorrow. There's no pointlessness to it. There's no emptiness to it. There's always purpose behind what God's doing. So here we have an incredible testimony. Now, you know, our wonderful friend Trish, she's ministered here on this show many, many times. You heard her last week offering a four-part series, and last week was a fourth of those four parts on God's bigger picture. She's an incredible minister. And her husband and her recently encountered a devastating set of circumstances, and she's going to go into those details. But what I'd like you to do is listen. Listen for her good cheer. It's incredible. It's incredible. And just tune your ear to how she's allowed God to work through this set of dire circumstances and potentially life-changing circumstances. Listen for how she seeks God's mind and his understanding, not her own. 
And how can she do this? Well, it's because she's all out for God, and so is her husband. They were both taught by the by the fivefold ministry, a true fivefold ministry, and taught so well that no matter the circumstance, they stand on the rock, Christ Jesus. And with God's great help, his great anointing, his great miraculous healing power, and great wondrous ways, Trish and her husband, they stand on God Almighty. And that's why, as she's recounting these very recent, very devastating circumstances, she can be of good cheer and help us all understand how to do, how to do the same in our own lives. So here is our wonderful friend, Trish. This message is called Cry Out. Several weeks ago, I was just laying in my bed. It was, oh, I'd say maybe in the wee hours of the morning. And I heard the Lord speak to me in the spirit. It was very simple. He just said the words, cry out, beseech, implore. And then there was a pause. And then he said, complacent. It was very notable that he didn't say anything else to me. But the thing that stood out was that cry out, cry out. So right away, I'm going, okay, if he's telling me this in my ear, in the spirit, there's something very significant here, and I'm going to study it out. I'm going to dig in there, and I'm going to study it out. And I think what prompted it was I was waiting on the Lord and saying, you know, the people haven't gathered for a long time. I haven't had any unction for quite a long time in the spirit to bring anything forth. And I said, what do the people need? What do the people need, Lord? I want to be sure that I'm meeting every need. And it was after I'd had that conversation with them. And it had been very quiet for quite a while. And then the Lord said those words in my ear and particularly cry out. So I began to research, firstly, cry out, beseech and implore. Now, these words indicate an urgency and a fervency, an absolute urgency and a fervency. Now, complacent, I looked at that one, and it's lacking heart, spirit, or interest. Lukewarm. Nee kind of like that. Lukewarm, complacent. Now, what approach do you think will evoke action from the Lord? Here's the two questions I pondered on when I was starting to study this out. The first thing was, what causes a soul to actually cry out? Not just in passing, oh Lord, I'd like this, oh Lord, do this for me, but actually from the guts, from the very bowels and the very depths of your soul to cry out. And then the second thing, what happens after that cry is loosed? Those are very interesting things to think about. What'll cause a soul to cry out? And I'm sure through your life, you've had experiences where you're just in, for one reason or another, you're either in dire straits You're feeling such an urgency or a need, 
and your soul just, and even sometimes physically, audibly, you just cry out for relief, for help, for deliverance, for whatever it is. You just cry out. And when you think upon that, what condition had you get, had to get to in order to get to that point where you would literally cry out? It's very powerful action that takes place. It's a very powerful dynamic. And over in James 5, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I'm going, okay, now there's some very key words. You could just be complacent and just read it. Now nah, the effectual fervent prayer, okay. Or you can stop. You can get serious with the Lord. Take your time with him and really study what he's actually giving you in his word. He's giving you something very precious. He is actually giving you life, life eternal. He's actually giving you the keys to be able to survive on the face of this earth. He's actually giving you the greatest gift any could ever give. He's giving it to you through his word. So effectual, that's one of those key words. Effectual, it means effective, targeted prayer. Now, in order to have effective, targeted prayer, you have to really look at a situation. You really have to pray over a situation and you have to have your discernment sharp because then you're not going to just do a surface prayer. Oh, Lord, take care of it. No, you're going to go right in there, right to the very heart of what God needs to take care of. That's what makes it effective, that targeted prayer, that effectual prayer. Fervent. Wow. Fervent. All right, let's take a look at some of the meanings of fervent. Blazing, burning, charged, demonstrative, emotional, feverish, fiery, flaming, glowing, hot-blooded, impassioned, intense, passionate, red-hot, superheated, torrid, vehement. That sounds like that's a pretty intense state to be in. Now that effectual, you're hitting the mark, and that fervency, it is hot. It is passionate. It is intense. Again, there's the motion of it, but there's still another qualifier. See, because you can teach people, you know, pray passionately, pray fervently, but what prayer is God going to hear? This next word qualifies whose prayer is actually going to get through. A righteous man. In order for your prayer to absolutely break through that righteousness, that's what's going to make it effective. A righteous man. So what does it mean by being righteous? Doing what is right and pleasing in God's eyes. Not in your own eyes, in God's eyes. Free from guilt or sin. Now, there's a couple of things. If you're not getting your prayers through and you're just pounding and screaming and pleading and everything else, 
Do you fit all the qualifiers? Are you, are you pleading for something that is right and pleasing in God's eyes? Or are you just beating at him, wanting him to do what you want that feels good to you? Step back and take a look at it. What is right in God's eyes? What is pleasing in God's eyes? And free from guilt and sin? Well, if, you, if there is guilt or sin in your life, very simple. Very simple. Just go before the Lord, you and, and the Lord, one-on-one. And if there is anything, say, Lord, forgive me and heal me. Clear my soul. And if you haven't been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, ask him to show you what to do, where to go, and he will start opening doors for you, because I will guarantee you that's his will. Because then you're going to enter into a courtyard that's designed for your soul, that, and you're going to embrace power and authority that's going to come from him, and a guidance that's going to come from him. And it sets everything where it needs to be. And then you're going to find your prayers are going to go out in a very pleasing pattern, in a way that's going to be agreeable with the Spirit of God. Because your own soul will be agreeable with the Spirit of God. There is an answer for every soul. Just take those steps that need to be taken. Reach out to God in the way that he designed for you to reach out to him. And he'll make it very clear for you. And he'll step you through each step of your walk from that moment on. He can clear a soul that fast. I just snapped my fingers. It's that fast. Just go before him. Even King David, he knew he was having difficulties back in biblical time. And he said, Lord, create a clean heart in me. He knew the Lord needed to do a remake in him. And he says, create a clean heart in me. And God honored that prayer because it was a righteous prayer. It was the right prayer. Ask him to lead you perfectly and be open and flexible to hear what he wants. Remember how the Lord went before the Father and finally concluded, not my will, but thy will be done? There it is. It's a journey. It's a beautiful journey. And when you are walking in that righteous walk, and you cry out, you better believe the hand of God moves. Absolutely moves. Now, I remember, this was sometime back, a few weeks back, I remember telling my husband what I was going to minister on. And I noted right away where his soul went. This was a very telling statement where his soul went. And what came to his soul was the greatest example of all was the Lord crying out on the cross and what that cry produced. When he cried out on that cross, he says, study that one. There's a process of God there. It's very, very powerful. And a cry that went out and it changed everything. But that's where his mind and his soul immediately went. He and the Lord have visited those places and had wonderful deep conversations over it. The agony he suffered on that cross, the pain he bore, the cup he filled, 
Do you know there's a continuing working that goes on on the face of this earth? If you follow along after that, didn't the apostles after him fill their cups? I know Paul spoke of it often. He spoke of it. And I made note that that's where his soul went. His soul went right there and enjoined and was remembering the Lord and what he bore. And he said, what did that cry produce? And I started to study it out. And I was getting scripture and I was getting examples. And I think I had about 17 to 19 pages. It was just fascinating. But you know, the Lord is way ahead of us. He's the most incredible God. We are a very blessed people. Those of us and those yet even looking to him that have come into his hands and into his arms and into his heart and bosom. And he cares for us. He tenders us. And he guides us through our individual personal journeys with such a marvelous working. And he is way out ahead of us. Just trust him. Little did I know at that time, little did I know that rather than just ministering on crying out, we, all of us, were going to live it. We were going to live it. The morning of the event I'm about to share with you started like a normal day for my husband and I. Just a normal day. There was one notable difference. Now, each morning we would get up and I always looked forward to it. It was one of the my favorite times of the day because he and I would go out together. We would get in our car and we would drive around the neighborhood. We became familiar faces and we were actually able to tell different ones in the neighborhood. We're ministers and we're praying for our neighborhoods that God keep you safe and protect you. And they loved that. And the word spread around the neighborhood and when they would see us, they would wave and smile. And we always waved at them. My husband and I, we would wave at them and we would deliberate before the Lord. There were times when the Lord would show us visions and speak to us personally and times where it was just a wonderful occasion to just be before him and bless the people and see how the neighborhood was prospering because we would pray over the different houses. If there was a dump, we'd pray, Lord, you clean that dump up. And guess what? It would either get cleaned up or raised. And by raised, I mean flattened and removed. <laughs> but we didn't just pray for the exterior things. We prayed for the Lord to clear our cities, clear our towns, clear our country, and clear the debris that's gathered up in the heavens that has created a ceiling that has limited people from getting through to God. A ceiling of lies and deceit and all the things that the enemy puts out there. And we pray for that to be broken and taken down by the Lord and the powerful working of everything he's put at our disposal. We call upon him. There's very good teaching on how to delegate and send out uh, warriors and in the heavenlies, in the spirit, when you pray. And we would do that. We would do that as we drove. And we would send healing angels out. And we would send troops of warrior angels out. Yeah, heavenly host, we'd send them out. I wouldn't put a limit on how number, how many would go. I say, you just get the biggest and best and send them out there to do the job, whatever it was. And I would have that targeted prayer. 
When I would see a need, I would loose a targeted prayer. And so would my husband. Oh, my husband, he's powerful with his prayers. But tucked down in his soul, I'm going to tell you something now. Tucked down in his soul, he knew one day there would be an event. And he believed this event would take him out of this life. He knew one day it would, it would occur. But he just went out each day with great joy before the Lord. Great joy before the Lord. Because he knew, regardless of what happened in his life, it's a win-win. Whether you live or die, you are the Lord's. And when we, when a saint of God leaves this earth, they pop right into their reward. So it's a glorious thing. So he was never afraid of anything. He just knew there would be a day. So it started out normal and we're praying. And I can remember exactly where we were in our little route that we went around. And every day I told him how much I loved him and what an honor and privilege and great delight it was for my soul to be going this journey with him. I always made sure his soul heard that because it would well up in me and it was very real. See, he's a prophet of God and it is a great honor to be able to go those places with him. So I'm driving along and the Lord, while I'm driving, and this is very personal, I never said anything out loud, but he spoke in my soul and he said, what will you do if David were not here to drive you, what would you do if David were not here to drive you? And that's my husband. If my husband wasn't here to drive me, because he loved doing all the driving. I usually have others do the driving for me because I'm getting up and it's, I just know it's a wisdom to have someone drive for me. And I got to feel it. He let me feel it. He let me sit there and feel what it would feel like to not have him there in the car with me. And I got to think about, okay, how would I adjust my life? How would I adjust my routine? And it was, it just lingered for quite a while. I got to feel it and think about it and ponder on it, but I didn't over linger on it to the point where it would grieve me or anything like that. It was just a reality and the Lord was posing it to me. And I took a look at it because I knew at some point down the road, either one or the other of us is going to leave off this life and we would continue on. Whichever would remain would continue on. That's the nature of uh, this earth and these earthen vessels. And we're up in age. So, you know, I pondered on that and I held it in my heart. I never shared it. I just held it in my heart. So later that day, Again, this is our routine. Later that day, my husband went out on his motorcycle for his afternoon prayer ride. He likes to go out. He's ridden motorcycles for 60 years. He started when he was 10 years old. That's when he started riding motorcycles. It was second nature to him. And he loved getting out there. And he and the Lord would talk and pray and visit. And he just enjoyed going out there in that fresh air. So I gave him my love and sent him on his way. And I went out with a prayer partner of mine so I could rehearse the scriptures I had on crying out. So I was actually rehearsing the scriptures that I'd had all these pages and pages and I was going to put them in order and sort them out and see how it flowed. And having that audience and just getting out up and talking to the Lord while I'm rehearsing it. And it was during that time, while we were out riding around, 
I received the text from my husband's phone. And this is what the text said. On the way to the hospital, check your voicemail for an update. Bam, that hit. Then the second text came in, I'm okay. I knew from that text that he'd been in a substantial accident. Otherwise, he would never let anyone transport him to a hospital. My husband is a prophet of God and has ministered to and secured many souls through his walk with the Lord. The love and gratitude they feel for him is very great. I immediately called upon their prayers to cry out for this beautiful man of God. It hit me. I knew there was just a, it went through my soul. But I didn't go, I didn't race ahead. I didn't let it take me and run with me. I stayed on point with God. And I knew I had to get the prayers and that cry going out. Because God needed that cry going out. And trust me, it was critical. We are the Lord's. And we are here for his use and his purposes. These beautiful souls do bear the mark of the Lord. And at times, afflictions are laid upon them that bring the people of God forward. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, the scripture says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Just like Jesus was appointed to that cross. And there was Peter trying to stop it. That's never going to happen. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. There's an appointment here. There's a movement of God here that's taking place. The cry that went out was very great. And God heard. He heard it. That cry was an awakening cry for any that had been kind of coasting or becoming complacent because God needs that cry to be sustained. He needs it going out in this hour. He needs it going out while you're on the face of this earth. When you're facing anything that's opposing the working and purpose and spirit of God, that cry needs to go out. So there was a great cry that was loosed. I'm going to uh, go back now because as time played out, I got more information of what was going on between the time I received that text and when the accident actually occurred. I found out a couple of weeks later that the first cry for my husband went out before I received this text and the request for prayer was ever sent out. This earlier cry went out as weeping. A dear friend in the Lord asked me what time of day my husband was hit. She quoted a time and I answered, yes, that's right when the event happened. She then informed me that she was driving to an appointment and she suddenly broke out in uncontrollable weeping. Uncontrollable weeping. Remember the things that move the heart of the Lord? That compassion faith and compassion. Well, there was the Lord weeping through her. She didn't know at the time what the weeping was over, but the Lord knew. You know, I was rehearsing that and looking at that when I was thinking about 
what took place there. There was a lot of things that took place, but the Lord himself was weeping over the need of the people, you and the cup that this man of God was going to bear. God was not going to remove him before his time until you fully got everything that your souls need to have. He knew it would have been too soon. And that weeping went out and guess what it accomplished? At the same time, and this is before the text, I also loosed a prayer on the day of the accident before the text was received. I was talking, I was speaking, and I stopped mid-sentence around the same time as our friends started weeping. At that time, I asked the Lord to help and protect my husband. I just stopped mid-sentence. I said, Lord, you protect my husband. Help and protect him. I prayed for him all the time, but this was notable. I felt a compelling urge to pray for him. I want to encourage every soul out there. When you feel that compelling urge to pray, even if you don't know why, just pray. Please just pray. You may not know what's going on. You may never find out what's going on, but God knows what's going on. And God knows what he needs to have loosed on the face of this earth to do what he needs to do and accomplish. And he knows exactly how to and when to loose it. So don't stifle it. Let it out. Just stop whatever you're doing and let it out. Now, this one was on the the woman that was weeping. She was on the way to a hair appointment and she was just thinking, oh my gosh, what are they going to think? I've got my hair, I'm all weeping and coming in there and bawling my eyes out. And, but she let it go. She let that wail go. She cried out with those tears. I received the text message almost two hours later after those two cries went out. And I don't know how many other cries around the globe went out at that particular time where there's faithful men and women and children of God that just loosed a cry and loosed a prayer and were moved by the Spirit to pray at that moment and just did it out of obedience, knowing that God was doing something with it. And they just listened to him, were used of him, and then, you know, went on about their business. By and by, the Lord either will or won't show you why you had to loose that prayer. But trust me, loose that prayer. Don't cut it short. Maintain it as long as God needs it maintained. And it will go do the work it needs to do. You see, my husband was laying in a ditch for almost two hours before that text was sent by the EMT in the ambulance. See, the EMT sent it. I didn't know that until later. As things unfolded, I found out pretty quickly. He was in a remote area and it took time to get help to him. He later described what he experienced during that two-hour time. It was a very violent impact between motorcycle and SUV. My husband was on the motorcycle. He hit at about 45 to 55 miles an hour and was thrown through the air. There was no avoiding it. He's an absolute expert rider, but there was no way to avoid it. It was just like, bam, no time to think or respond. And he was catapulted through the air. He told me he remembered thinking he was going to leave this life. He figured, this is it. I'm out of here. He felt himself flying through the air, then hitting the pavement with his back. He could feel his back break. 
He continued to bounce across the pavement into a ditch. During the time he was sliding and rolling, he hit a stump which broke his scapula, the shoulder blade. When he stopped, he was on his back in a ditch. Then he felt the searing pain and he realized he was still here. The Lord was kneeling beside his face while he and the Lord evaluated what happened to his body. The Lord talked him through it. The first, very first thing the Lord said very loudly and very firmly was, don't move. And it was done with such authority, David knew he was not to move. Don't move. The Lord then began to let him know his back was broken, his shoulder was broken, his ribs were broken, his lung was punctured. The Lord then told him he would not need a chest tube. Do you know why? I'm going to describe what the Lord showed me here, and it's just absolutely phenomenal, and it will explain to you why you need to loose those prayers. You see, my husband has had five heart surgeries earlier in his life, a few years ago, and they have him on heavy, heavy blood thinners. So if he shaves himself and he nicks himself, sometimes that thing will bleed. Just a tiny little nick will bleed for a whole day and sometimes until the second day. It just bleeds and bleeds and bleeds because of the blood thinners. Now he's got a punctured lung. And a punctured lung, what happens is it leaks air and it will bleed into the chest cavity. And as it, and he bleeds profusely. Okay, you got a two-hour time frame here and he bleeds profusely, that goes into the chest cavity, the lung collapses, and then it fills up and it squeezes the heart so the heart can't pump anymore. What happens when you have no heart and no lungs? You'll leave this life. The body cannot sustain life. So what did that weeping do? The compassion of the Lord immediately was loosed and that punctured lung stopped bleeding into his chest cavity like that. Right then and there, on the spot. That is the first miracle. That was that incredible gift that God gave to you through that weeping. He held them here. He says, okay, here's gift number one, miracle number one. And he healed that lung. And he told David, he said, don't let them put a chest tube in. You won't need it. You know why? Because he just healed it. God is large and in charge. He's huge. There isn't anything that's too much for him. He does have his purpose in all things. Bear that in mind. All right. It was then that after the, he and the Lord had gone through this, it was then that the driver of the SUV reached my husband. He was a retired doctor. So there it is. The Lord had a doctor on scene. At the time I received the text... I called the prayer warriors for prayer, then contacted my son-in-law and asked him to meet us at the hospital. I told him that I wanted him to lay healing hands on my husband if we were to bring him home that night, because I knew if there was any way possible, he, he would have walked out of that hospital. <laughs> I know, it. but that's not what God had in mind. People trust the Lord in your journey. You're going to see a collaboration here of things that God accomplished out of something that seemed so devastatingly horrible. And yet God is accomplishing things here. 
Here is that first miracle. All right, so I asked him to meet me there. And I told him I wanted him to lay those healing hands on my husband if we were to bring him home that night. My son-in-law has a proven testimony of miraculous healings through the glorious anointing of God. He learned through great suffering and affliction how to cry out for his own soul, for his own healing. He was afflicted with a condition that was incurable for a long period of time until he'd absolutely reached the end of himself. And he said, that's it. And he literally went out between him and God and cried out. You've got the glorious formula there. You've got the glorious formula there. Fervent prayer. He was crying out, impassioned, targeted prayer. He knew exactly what he needed healing. And he was a righteous man. He is a righteous man. He fulfilled the criteria. And once that cry went out, bam, he got his healing. And he had to continue to stand fast on that healing because he knew he broke through with God. And that thing would try and come back on him and he would reject it and come back on him and he would reject it. And what God was doing with that was making him steadfast in his prayers where he would not waffle back and forth and he would not accept no for an answer and he would not allow anything to rule in his life except the power and authority of God. That's what I mean. He's got a proven record. He went on from there to have take that healing power and heal others of incurable conditions because he knew how to cry out and not take any other answer than the absolute victory that we've been promised by God. And he got his muscles exercised and very strong. Do you know that that's what God is doing right now? He is taking a whole group of people here and teaching them how to cry out. And those of you that hear this message, you're getting the formula and the understanding from God as to how to cry out. And not be surprised when you're pressed into those situations where you do have to cry out. Just say, okay, God's going to do something here. Don't think it's odd. Just stick with him. Watch and see what he accomplishes with every single thing that he does in your life. It gets better. All right. So here he is. He's at the hospital. He immediately, see, now he was at work during this time. This was in the middle of the day. Well, I'll get over there when I finish my shift. Are you kidding me? This is a man of God. The shift comes secondary. The natural job is secondary. He immediately left that place of work and went straight to where the work of God was. That's his number one employer. If you can remember that, God comes first. The work of God comes first. Number one, number one. You don't just kind of fit God in when he's when it's convenient. Someone you love might die. I'm going to put it that, that frankly. You go where you need to be, either spiritually or physically. Either way, dead is dead. If you're spiritually dead, you're dead. You're eternally dead. Now, I'm talking about when you need to go and do something for the Lord. You need to be fervent. You need to be obedient. And you need to be instant. And he instantly left his job and went straight, headed towards the hospital. We were headed towards the hospital. He was headed towards the hospital. All right. 
he met us at the hospital. This was the beginning of a very powerful story that was unfolding before me. When we reached the hospital, we reached uh, the hospital right after my husband arrived and they were loading the empty gurney back into the ambulance. Again, it makes your gut roll. Because of restrictions, I was the only one allowed inside. They took me back to where he was. My husband was flat on his back, unable to move. He couldn't, he couldn't um, turn his head to look at me. He just lay motionless. He was awake and able to talk. He never lost consciousness. He was alert and aware, in great shock, but he was aware. So I was sitting in the room. They had him hooked up, and I've been through a few surgeries with him, and I know how to read the monitors. And the emergency crew, they'd gone out, and they were making preparation for him to go in and have a full-body scan because this was a horrific injury that they knew they saw in front of them. And I was sitting there by myself with him watching the monitors. I watched the monitors they had hooked up to him. And you can see his body's very swollen. By this time, different ones had arrived at the hospital, including my son-in-law. The medical team had left the room and I watched my husband's vitals start to drop. And I don't mean slowly, they were dropping. His blood pressure was going down, 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 down. His O2 levels were going down, down at the same sequence. In other words, he was dying right in front of my eyes. I saw it and there was no emergency people in the room. What I did, and I'm going, it's going to take God here. I immediately contacted my son-in-law and net, let him know dad's body was giving out. And immediately he released those powerful prayers. They were loosed and everything turned around. As soon as I, it left my mouth, I watched it start going straight up, came straight up and came to a, a normal level, a good level, a life-sustaining level right away. His vitals instantly began to stabilize without any medical intervention. The prayer of God, the power of God loosed that fervent prayer of a righteous man it availed, it brought life, sustaining life. And to this day, his blood pressure is level. It's better than it's ever been. Those prayers are that powerful. The prayers that God, the power that you have in you when you loose those prayers is powerful. It's magnificent. And it's at in action today on the earth. Incredible miracle. And I stood, stood there and watched it. His mouth was filled with blood and his lip was bleeding because of a malaligned tooth had pierced through his lip. I was certain looking at him, he was going to have a substantial scar. Little did I know then that God was going to heal that too. Every medical professional including our own physician. And our own physician was allowed in the hospital. When he heard what happened, he immediately came to my husband's bedside, immediately. And he was right there and got to see everything and be there to just monitor. He's seen David through many, many times. 
he himself has had to cry out when David has his initial heart attack. He was instrumental with the, he's full of the Holy Ghost and he has that power of God surging through his member, through his body. And he loosed it at that time and cried out. I, I actually saw him do it and literally brought my husband back to life over that heart attack. He has that same healing power as do you believing people of God that are filled with that infilling of the Holy Ghost. Do you think your cry has evoked anything? Yes, it's incredible. But we're just starting on the journey. God's not done. He's not done. So I looked at that lip and I was certain looking at him, he was going to have a substantial scar. I really did. Little did I know then that God was going to heal that too. And Doc was standing there thinking, oh, we're going to have to stitch that all back together and everything. Nope. I remember watching this progression and I'm going to jump a little forward here. Um, when Doc came in and he um, saw us off because they did have to take David out to a Trauma One Center. And he saw him when, when we got back to our home. And then he came in one day and I watched him come through the doorway and look at my husband sitting in his chair and his mouth dropped. He goes, whoa, your lips healed. It's all gone. It only looks like you cut yourself shaving. It was, and I looked and I go, you're right. <laughs> it's healed. <laughs> I had so much on my plate, I didn't even notice. But God instantly, he says, he's, he's a very wonderful, beautiful Lord and Savior. And he will keep you encouraged and let you know, I am here. I am still doing things. Trust me. So he just threw that one in there for us to show us that he could instantly heal just anything he wants. So he's healed his lung. He's leveled out his vitals. And he fixed up that mouth. It was all mangled. It was just like that. I went, wow, you're right. Every medical professional, every single one, including our own physician, used the word amazing when they would describe what they were seeing play out with my husband. So they went in and they took that full body scan. They were amazed he did not have a head injury of any kind other than that punctured lip. No bones broken in his face, no head injury. His brain was just absolutely fine, nothing. He did not have any neck injury of any kind. None at all. And they were just, this is amazing. To top it all, any of you bikers out there or anyone that's ridden a bicycle and you fall down and you get scuff marks all over you, it's called road rash and you get all scabby and torn up and you have to pick the gravel out and everything else. Well, this man's bouncing across the pavement, skidding. He had absolutely no road rash anywhere on his body. They're going, this is amazing. They kept looking and looking again. They, they cut all his clothes off because he couldn't move. They had to be very careful with him. There was no road rash anywhere on his body. His lung had stopped bleeding into his chest. His vitals had stabilized. He had no major internal injury, liver, spleen, colon, or heart. Again, the word amazing was liberally being used. This is what the scan did show though. And this is what we're watching now as the Lord is doing a hyperspeed in healing. The scan did show several broken bones in his back, creating an instability 
which would require surgery. But here's the amazing thing. The spinal column was perfectly intact. And I watched them after they looked at all this, they came in and said, can you feel this? Yep. Can you feel that? Yep. Can you feel this? Yep. And they're shaking their heads. Can you wiggle your toes? Yep. Can you wiggle your fingers? Yep. And they're going, wow. The spinal column was absolutely perfectly intact. That's why the Lord said, don't move. Don't move. And they're just using that word amazing again all over the place. Why? Because that prayer went out. That incredible cry from God's people went out. Yep. He had several broken ribs on each side with flail chest and a punctured lung. Now a flail chest is where each rib bone has several breaks and there's several ribs in a row and it leaves the chest wall unstable. It flails around. And he had it on both sides and there's bone floating in the back, little bone fragments. His scapula, his shoulder was broken. That shoulder bone, the shoulder blade was broken. They, they looked at it and they looked at the state of his back and they said, okay, we're going to have to transport you to a level one trauma center for back surgery because we've got an instability here. Some of the vertebrae were shattered, but you know, they were cracked and crushed and everything. But there was that one vertebrae that was, was a weak point. They we're going to have to do back surgery or we're in trouble here and stabilize this back. It was okay. So here we are. Could God have done it all, all at once? Oh yeah. But whose plan are we on? We're on God's plan here and we're walking along. Well, all of this is playing out. The Lord is talking to my husband. He's telling him what's going on. And he did tell him about the healed lung, but he's, he did. Um, my husband later told me, um, first we're, we're just getting through this night and the Lord was there encouraging him but it was pretty overwhelming. All right. So he was transported to level one trauma center for back surgery. And where was this trauma center? It was in an area that there is no way we ever would have gone there or sent anybody there, but God wanted his prophet there. Why? Because it brings judgment. It brings judgment. It brings power. It brings authority and it brings a clearing from God. And what have we got? We've got the heavenly host, the glorious host of God coming along with us with that great cry that's going out. That great, incredible cry that's going out. And God says, okay, I got some power pack here. I'm going to really make good use of it. Well, this man is bearing this cup and being transported to a trauma center. It was right in the middle of a protest area. Most of the shops were vacant and boarded up, vandalized and tagged. What once was a very beautiful area didn't look so beautiful, did it? It was scary. And that by that time, by this time, now see, God is amazing at what he can do. He has a network that won't say no. The prayers were loosed. I got them out with a, a group of people that knew my husband intimately. Each one of them began to reach out. God is huge. And it began to reach out and it was spreading and groups were taking up, vigilantly praying from inside and outside this country. It just went like, wow, like a flame. 
The Lord was rallying the troops. There was something very huge he was doing here. At one point, the Lord told me to call our dentist's office. I mean, he was calling out the troops and let them know what had happened to my husband and to have their entire office pray for him. He told me, he says, they're praying people there. You incorporate their prayers. I called them up. What's really substantial about this is they knew my husband well. They knew that my husband was a minister of God. They, they knew about him. And when they heard, they did. They all gathered and that gut cry went out over him. See, it's expanding. That dentist called me a couple weeks later and he wanted to inquire as to how my husband was doing. And he says, I am not calling about dental issues because we had to cancel an appointment. You know, he's got temporary stuff in his mouth now that aren't going to be addressed for a while. And I asked the Lord to stabilize it. And he is, he's stabilizing it. So this dentist called and he says, I'm not calling about dental work. And we talked for a little bit and he says, can I say a prayer over your husband with you? Can I pray with you over him? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. And he prayed a beautiful prayer of faith and incorporated the glory of God the power of his healing angels. It was just the most beautiful, beautiful prayer. And his Holy Spirit came out of this dentist. And the Lord God was so blessed. And the Lord God knew, here he is. He's being launched. He's being launched. God's being launched. A cry is being launched. A cry is going out. And as you're part of this cry now, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And his heart was, was entreating the Lord for people that he could minister to. And we got our prayers and agreements out over that. They're out there, people. They're out there in our neighborhoods. They're out there across the land. They're out there across this globe. And they're waiting for that glorious enjoining with the Spirit of God. Stay very large. Very, very, very large in your heart. Stay very large in your lives, watching for that beautiful soul that's out there, that's waiting for the Lord to enjoin with them and them with him and you. It's a beautiful thing. So that's, and they immediately took up different ones throughout the group, began calling their groups. I mean, they're calling all over the country, getting them prayer, sending prayer cloths, getting huge groups praying. Becky Dvorak, thank you for praying. I mean, the call went out everywhere. There's a beautiful gentleman up in, in Sylvan Lake, Canada that's praying. Beautiful, beautiful souls with groups of people. They're joining in with the cry that's been loosed. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Yep, we've got baristas. We've got chiropractors. I had a chiropractor weep and fall into my arms over him. And the blessing of the Lord uh, poured out on, into the man's soul. And I'm sure like he'd never heard or felt before. But I had my hands on him and poured that Holy Ghost and that great anointing upon him. And we'll see what God will do from there. Mm -hmm. Bank tellers and their associates. The list goes on and on and on. And it just spreads and spreads and spreads. And the cry goes out. 
Yeah. While we were there, okay, now why did God need this cry? Why did he need such a huge cry going out? Well, while we were there, a protest was scheduled to take place on the street outside our hotel. It was a long distance to get to this uh, level one trauma center. And I couldn't travel back and forth. I had to stay right with my husband. So we got a, a room. And if I could, I'm going to keep talking. But could the group that was there, you, Carl, Jeannie, different ones. Where's Jamie? Come on up front. I want you to see what we, uh, the crew that was there. And you two, come on. Come on up. This was not a one-man job taking care of all of this. How incredible it is when you have believing people of God that love you and rally together. Those of you that are alone out there, reach out to the Lord, get a hold of him, and know that there's a group in the spirit that won't say no. You're never alone when you're with the Lord. He's always there for you in one form or another. But they immediately gathered. They gathered together uh, a husband and wife team that were over in the local area. They did the research. They found a hotel close to the hospital while I'm in the ambulance being transported. Do you see how the body of Christ works together? When you have a true body of Christ, when you've got that true fivefold ministry, any of you that are alone, ask the Lord to bring you to a true, I mean a true fivefold ministry where they care for one another, where they take care of each other, where they immediately drop everything and come to the rallying call. Jason, come on up here too. Going around that prayer. Dwayne, come on up here too. Yeah. Look at the team it took to orchestrate all of this. Yeah. This incredible team. You're at the hospital, weren't you? Outside praying. Outside praying. Instantly, instantly responded instantly came running to the cry. Yes, it does exist on the face of this earth. When you've been fed from God and talked, taught by God, and when he's shown his love to you, there isn't anything you wouldn't do for him or for each other because it's founded and based and moved by love. So there we are. They secured the room. This one here followed the ambulance behind me because otherwise I would have been I stayed in the ambulance with my husband held on to him and prayed over him I'll tell you what took place in that ambulance ride but she drove right behind not a whip behind us and and uh, followed me all the way there so that she could pick me up and take me wherever I needed to go after I was done with my husband and they were waiting for her ready to show her where the hotel is, got it all, got us all checked in before I had to, I didn't have to lift a finger. The mechanism of the body of the Lord kicked into gear while the entire cry was going out that made a way for everything that they did. That cry anointed every single help, every single help, every single one. This man's been critical and he was right there at the hospital outside there joining in with that prayer. This man here was out there. He loosed those prayers that, that leveled out his vitals. It was loosed. This man here was scheduled to fly up into the area to get married. 
His plane was diverted three times, and guess where it was diverted to? Right by the hotel where we were staying, and he came directly from landing on that plane. His fiance picked him up and brought him right over to the hotel. And he stayed there, and he has stayed by this prophet's side ever since. Fiance, marriage, wedding, everything else is secondary. The work of the Lord comes first. Isn't that right, sweetheart? That's his fiance. She supports him 100%. God first. The true working of a fivefold ministry works that way. And they're instantly at their post when they need to be there. It is alive and a well on the face of this earth, people. It's real. It's wonderful. It's absolutely glorious. And God got that cry out. This man, as soon as he got off, is working his 16-hour shifts for I don't know how many days in a row. As soon as he recovered, he immediately came over and was there helping out as soon as they can grab in. This woman right here found someone to watch all her children. She found someone to watch all her children and came over and she brought healthy food. So we didn't even have to worry about it. Healthy food and support because it was grueling. Was it grueling, guys? It was intense. Any of you want to hear the story of what they saw, what they observed, and what they lived, and what God showed them, it would be a really good idea. Just sit down and visit with them and, and hear their stories of what they saw and encountered and what, how God moved in them. All right, so here's the team. It took a team. It takes a team. It takes a body of people to accomplish everything that God has to do till the end of when he's finished all of this. That's why he has the, it's the body of Christ. There's no big kahuna. There's no one better than the other. We work together, head and toes, fingers and nose, all of it. Each one has a perfect place and a perfect working. You can sit down now. Thank you so much. I wanted you to see how many people it took, and that was just the initial, besides everything that was spreading around the globe. Spreading around the globe, those incredible prayers. Incredible prayers around the globe that are going out and producing that great cry. Okay, so here we are, and they're in the room looking out the window going, oh my goodness, and while I'm in, the hospital. Now, I could only go to the hospital during certain hours, and I was the only one allowed in. Nobody could take my place, and nobody could go in for me. And there were days where I stood out in a line for, how long was that? Maybe an hour and a half out in the streets? Out in the streets. Okay, and I had to stand out there. But these men, that's why they came. They came to be a bodyguard. I know one woman, she said, you know only one person could get in. I said, yes, I know, dear. This is my bodyguard. And then she backed up. <laughs> but I thanked her. I said, thank you for letting me know and for your concern. That was very kind. See, I was kind to her. I didn't want her feeling bad. But I let her know, yeah, I have a bodyguard. And we do. We've got lots of bodyguards. I'm going to tell you more about that in a bit. So anyway, here we are. And I'm in there. And while I'm in there, they're calling for a, a protest. So how I'm in the hospital, 
I had to be focused on taking care of my husband and they're in the room cleaning, not just the, that hotel out. I mean, cleaning it out spiritually, but they had to clean out the city and a protest started and they immediately called the prayer group and they said, okay, let's get the cry loosed. We have to shut down this protest. It was getting pretty nasty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was, the air just looked black. The streets were crawling and you could hear them. As soon as that call went out and those prayers went out, it dissipated. It was shut down before it could get started. And it was God that shut it down. It just stopped. It just fizzled out and it just quit. And the next day I got up in the morning, you know, I go back to the hotel. I go back and forth from the hospital to the hotel and then just get ready for the next day. And I looked out the window and it was bright and light and the streets were clear. And I said, come here, take a look at this. Do you feel what it feels like? And they go, yeah, it feels real peaceable. It feels real clear. And it didn't even look like the same place. Why? Because God went in in the spirit and cleaned it out. While I was in the hospital, see, there was peace in the air then. Peace entered in. Where there was war, there, the peace entered in. And every day, every single day, because of those miraculous prayers, I'm not kidding. Every day I went in, I watched he could do something more. See, at first he could not move at all. He could not move at all. Next day he came in, he was moving his arm around and everything, and the other arm couldn't move at all. The next day I came in, oh, look at this, look at this. And he's moving his arms around, you know, the other arm around. He had to keep one wing pretty close because of the shoulder injury, but he was able to move it from the elbow up and move it around and do all sorts of things. And they're going, whoa. The next day I get in there, he's sitting up. What? <laughs> now this is after back surgery. You know, it is quite profound because you saw what he looked like when he first came in. It was really quite profound every single time I came in. So when all of this hubbub is going on, I'm in there and I'm watching, sitting in the bed and I'm watching him and I'm watching his face while these protests were trying to go. And his, all of a sudden his eyes looked up to the ceiling. He just, they looked up to the ceiling and his mouth um, shaped in a big, oh, like that. And I'm going, ooh, he's seeing something. God's opening his eyes. He's seeing something. And I knew when that's going on, you do not interrupt someone. When the Spirit of the Lord is upon them and moving in them, you do not interrupt them. You wait until the Lord is done. Use good manners. You don't interrupt somebody in the middle of speaking. Well, God was speaking to his soul. He was showing him something. So I waited until after, and then I knew he'd tell me. And he said, uh, he said, I saw a warrior in the spirit standing at the end of my bed. He said, wow. He exclaimed it was terrifying to look upon. And he could see why the enemy would run. My husband wasn't afraid. He said, I'm not afraid of it. He was really glad to have these things on his side. But one of those heavenly hosts that was sent out to clean out that, that whole city literally came into his room to stand at the end of his bed to let him know that they were on it and they were there cleaning up. And then he just poof went. He said he didn't stay very long, but he did pop in to show his respect and let David know he was there. 
let my husband know he was there. Isn't that something? Wow. Your prayers are real. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers and your cry looses amazing, marvelous, supernatural, powerful things when they're targeted, when they're fervent, and that righteousness just rises right up to the throne of God and is loosed. God did bizarre things to get that prophet in a place that he needed to have judgment on and he needed cleaned out. And you believe, better believe it, God went through that city because a prophet traveled through. Doesn't matter how he gets there. God wanted him there. He'll get him there. He was there. God was going to do everything. He's going to get every last inch. He's going to get every last bit. He's going to get every last thing that he needs to get out of those that are his, that are appointed for these hours and these workings and for these things. Don't be surprised at what your life goes through and the things that you do for him. And I remember he told me, you know, the Lord visited with him. They were visiting back and forth constantly. And he told me the Lord had visited him. And um, I'm going to regress just a little bit here. During this time, he looked at me and I, I, he said, it's, it's amazing, the dynamic of the human soul, the human body and the human soul. And he said, my physical body, if you were put it on a scale, the scale of pain level from one to 10, it's a 20. It, it was a 20. It was un, unbearable, just beyond anything he could even describe. He said, but in my soul, I am at perfect peace. He said, it's the prayers of the saints. And I feel both things at the same time. He says, it's amazing. He was even saying amazing. It's a beautiful thing when you serve the Lord. And then another time he came and he said the Lord had visited him and told him that it would be a long, he said, son. And he said he was very kind. He kneeled down to him and looked him in the face and he said, this is going to be a long recovery. Please bear with me in this because there is much that I am accomplishing it through it. Things that you don't even know or realize. Are we our own? Yes, God can heal instantly. He did heal him instantly in those evidence of it earlier. But he said there's going to be a recovery process and it's going to be a long recovery. But he, And he began to tell him things, you know, what he was going to do and so forth. And he said at the end, when you, when you do recover, this is what you will say to people. You will tell them, and this will be your story, I am the prisoner of the Lord. You're not your own. I truly am the prisoner of the Lord. There's people you can relate to. If you hadn't gone the journeys that you've gone to, dear son of God, man of God, but you can relate to them. And I know my husband even said, he said, I, I understand things now that I never would have understood before if I hadn't gone through this. He says, I have a compassion for the human race like never before. And he was a very compassionate man. And he broke and wept when he said that I am the prisoner of the Lord. He just broke and wept because it was very real. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 1, and I'm going to start in verse 3. Here's his story. Here it is. There's others that have lived it before him, and there, was, there will be others that will live it after him. I thank God 
whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I watched him in there in the most excruciating agony even imaginable, and he would be praying for you. He would be praying for you, and he would be praying for the souls around the world that needed to be released and recovered and freed. He'd be praying for them. Because in, in his journeys with the Lord, he's gone and seen different ones down in the underground places they had to hide so they wouldn't be persecuted for believing in God and loving him. He's praying for them to be free. He's, he's thanking God for you. He told me when he said, it's the prayers of the people, please tell them thank you. See, your prayers, when they continue steadfast, give him support and relief. They give him comfort. They lift him while he's bearing this cup. I'm going to go into that more. And I remember thee in prayer, in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see thee. Well, obviously he really desired to see you because he made his way out to that door and had to have the house hold him up. <laughs> Shouldn't have been doing that. But he desired to see you. And it encouraged his heart to see that you were there, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. See, that's what gave his soul peace. Those beautiful tears, the healing power. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned love that is in thee. This isn't fake, this is real. This is real compassion. Every gift and every card and everything that came before him, he marveled and wept and rejoiced at the incredible love in the people of God which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, those ones that birthed thee and groomed thee and carried thee through, and now it's established in you. He was back here. He's reflecting on it. Here we are today reflecting on it. Look at your roots and the pattern that formed up this beautiful fivefold ministry, this beautiful group of people. And that where it is all over across the globe, beautiful people. Wow, God is amazing. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, he's doing that today, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. How many of you here has he laid hands on and prayed over and tendered and cared for, fought for? And baptized. He says, I'm putting you into remembrance. Stir up that gift. I've given my life that you can have it. Jesus said the same thing. This soldier here, I believe it's Paul, said the same thing. I've given my life that you can have this. And when you hear it in the word, relate to that. It's being freely given to you that you can have this. Always bring it into remembrance. Take time away from your busy days and keep that in your remembrance. Even when you're in the midst of your, your busy days, you can do more than one thing at a time. Incorporate the Lord in that busy day. Talk to him with everything that you're doing. Be talking to him. He'll guide you through your day. And I'll tell you, you'll find things that go really, really well then when he is your day. What a beautiful gift. This is going far and wide, this beautiful gift of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. We don't need to be afraid of anything, but of power and of love. 
Now you've been hearing today such an incredible journey that is demonstrating the power and the love and what it produces and of a sound mind, that soundness of your mind being solidified because it's focused on God and not being moved or shifted or broken down, but being made solid and strong and sure. That's what he's doing. That's his story. That's what Paul's story. That's what the Lord's story is. What a beautiful story. We are living it. Those of you that hear this, you're living it today because it's alive on the face of this earth and you can partake in it when you reach out to God and become part of him. Mm -hmm. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the places that God takes different ones, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, there's many ways those afflictions come. Persecution, false accusation. There's many, many ways. Broken body, sacrifice. There's many, many different ways that God will evoke that cry, that God will move in the heart of man and move their soul toward him. He's got many ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Who hath saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So I think it goes way back that the plan was kind of launched. Not kind of, it was. So he really knows what he's doing. Just lean on him, believe him, trust him, and know whatever you're going through, will go through, have gone through, God had a reason and a purpose in it, and he uses everything magnificently. Mm -hmm. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, that's why my husband was never afraid. He was never afraid. He knew the day would come. And he figured when he was hit, that was the day that he was going to leave his life. But the Lord had a cup that he had to bear. And it is for you to establish and also affirm in you a great affirmation and a great resolve to never let it lag. Always keep it stirred. Mm -hmm. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him unto that day. He believes God for all of you, whether you're here in front of me right now, or whether you hear the sound of this voice that's going out by the spirit over your soul. Because this word is spirit, it's truth, it's life-giving. When you receive it and take it on and realize there's an incredible, incredible walk before you in the spirit, by God, and he will meet you in the way no matter what you go through. He's there. Mm -hmm. Hold fast 
the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast to everything that's been laid down in you by that old prophet and by this word here. Hold fast to it and don't let it move. Don't let it slip. Embrace it. Mm -hmm. That that good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost that dwelleth in us. That's how you do it. Keep that Holy Ghost activated. Keep those tongues moving. Keep that incorporated prayer and language and communication with God going daily. Keep that cry fervent and poignant before God for everything that's needed here and to come. Keep it going. Don't lag off. All right. I'm going to go down to verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Now, my husband has an Onesiphorus by his side. He came and forwent his own plans of spending this time with his fiancée, getting preparing to get married, and he went directly to my husband's side. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story that this man went in order to be where he is right now. Many of you that know him remember that day when he was just leaving his place of work, walking across the street, and was hit. Bam! Walked into traffic and hit, was hit by a car. Hit so hard, the car was totaled. And the thing that totaled the car was his body. And I remember when he was recovering from that, he was reproaching himself. How could I have done such a stupid thing as to walk in front of a car? I was, and he was starting to reproach himself and beat himself up. And, you know, his body had to recover. And it was a long recovery. And I remember talking to him on the phone and I said, son, look, God has every step ordered out. He's adding depths to you right now. He's adding depths down in your soul and there will be a day when you will draw upon everything that you're gaining from this experience. God has a purpose in everything that you go through and you're going to come out the other end with incredible gift from God and an incredible deep soul. You won't be a shallow soul. What's important to God? That you just beep, 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 beep through life or that you're actually meet for the master's use and have some depth to you and experience. I'm not telling all of you you're going to get smacked by a car. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that things can happen to you that, that you weren't expecting that maybe you didn't want to have happen. If they do happen, say, okay, God's adding something to me here. And you will be crying out. You'll learn how to cry out. God will meet you in it. He'll guide you through it. And you will establish a relationship that will be deep and enduring. And he'll walk you through it. So this young man now is sitting in front of a prophet that's been broken. And guess what? He has the understanding, the heart and compassion to know how to meet him. Why? Because he's been through it. I remember my husband saying in the hospital, he says, this one or that one, he would get, you know, communication or whatever. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what's happened to me. How could they? They've never been there. How could they? Not everybody has to go there. 
but God had one appointed to go there ahead of time to sit there. And my husband would say, he knows exactly what I'm going through. And he's really helped me a lot. See, we need each other. I don't care what position you think you have or anything else. We need each other. It's important. It didn't seem like it at the time when he was, this young man, when his body was all broken and he, he was beating himself up thinking he was such a, a blockhead for, you know, letting himself get in that situation. I'm going, whoa, whoa, time out. God knows what he's doing here. Just watch and see what you get out of this. And there he is seeing the value of everything that he learned and he's actually able to utilize it and pour it out. So I don't care if you've been some particular peculiar places before God, uh, you know, that it doesn't have to take the same venue as this one I'm talking about right now. It doesn't matter if you've gone those places that just are bizarre and you go, why am I going through this? Well, because God's writing something down in you. Just interact with God through it. Cry out to him and learn how to get those answers back from him. And he will guide you through it. And at some point in your life, it's going to intersect and you're going to see, oh, that's why I had to learn that. Now I can understand that person. I can understand that person. I can help that person. And it brings healing. It's a very beautiful working. Just stand fast. Be encouraged. I say these things to encourage you wherever your course takes you. Just lean on the Lord and he will show you a purpose in everything. All right. So he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Well, this young man is not ashamed of what this old prophet's going through. He understands it. All the ins and outs, but. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. He did. He went right to his side. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. He ministers to him. Do you know he stays all night with him? Because he can't sleep in a bed yet. He will soon, but not yet. The healing process is moving forward, but there's an appointed time for each thing. That's why you need to continue to pray. You need to continue to keep that cry going because there's bigger picture. It's not just for him. It is for him, but not just for him. And I'm going to get into that in a bit. But that cry needs to continually go out. Don't just make the one bloop and then forget. Keep moving. All right. He ministered, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I'm going to go on and I'm going to give some examples of other cries and prayers that have gone out. And here's one, Elias. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He went through the same things we do. And he prayed earnestly. And there's that earnest prayer that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And that's something three years and six months. Can you imagine what the earth would look like without rain for that long? Any of you that have crops or gardens and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now that seems like a very simple statement. You can just kind of walk past that after you read that. Wow, that was really something that he did that. Why did he do that? Remember I asked a couple of questions. What causes that cry? Why did he pray that way? Why did he cry out that way? Do you know why? He had to humble a nation. 
He had to humble a nation. God will do things at times to humble a nation. So they'll even be able to recognize him. But he knew he had to break them down first. So he prayed it wouldn't rain. All right. I'm going to go over to 1 Kings 16, verse 30. And this is what prompted that prayer. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. When that influence was over the people on the whole at that time, it caused that entire group of people to greatly, greatly err. That entire nation at that time greatly erred because of that one ruler. That one that was in a position of authority over them had an influence that caused the people to be in great err and do evil before the Lord. And a prophet of God, being a righteous soul, saw that and was grieved in the very bowels and in the belly, and it caused him to cry out. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, for whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He went to Ahab and he said, okay, you're in for it now, buddy. It's not going to rain until I say so. See, he had to let him know where the voice of God was, who God was, and who he spoke through. Do you know that is your job today? That is why you are learning how to cry out. How to cry out. What did it take for this to actually take place? That's a whole lot of God. David said Elijah is one of his dearest friends. He knows him intimately. He knows him well. Over in 1 Kings 18, verse 37, hear me. Here he is. Here's Elijah. Here's his cry. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. He's crying out that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Look at why he's crying out. He's crying out on behalf of God and behalf of them for their sakes. Do you think it's doing anything for him? No. He's doing it for them and for the Lord. What, is it, what does it mean to be a servant of God? You do God's bidding and you see the state of the human soul and you cry out for them. And do whatever God bids you to do to free them. Earnest. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burdened sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He had to break them down first. Uh, when you read the story, he had to break them down first, that, that drought. And then he had to let them try their devices to see if they could do anything with their devices, and they failed. And then he said, okay, you guys, you had enough. Do you know God's doing that right now on a global forum? And he's saying, hey, you guys, had enough? Seen enough? Do you need some more? <laughs> Yeah, he says, okay, you've seen enough. And then God sets in on the scene. And he called down fire and fire came. See where it's really coming from is, other, is what he's saying. Do you know you are that voice? 
That is why God is teaching you how to cry. He's teaching you how to cry out and get a hold of God and move the hand of God. Move the hand of God. Do you think that pro old prophet had to suffer anything while he waited through those three years too? Three and a half years? But God took care of him. God fed him. Took care of him. God's people will be fed and taken care of. Well, there's a humbling and a breaking going on where they will be ready to even hear. That they can even be able to hear or see. There are times and days like that. There are seasons like that. God is God. He knows how to do it. That old prophet, he just followed along. Yep. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They went from being wicked and evil in the sight of the Lord to crying out, the Lord is God. Wow. They saw the evidence of it. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Take the liars. Take the false rhetoric. Let not one of them escape. He said, don't you let them escape. And they took him and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slew them there. He got rid of them. You can do that in the spirit today. Take those high-minded things down. Counteract the lies. Get your cry going out nonstop. And ask yourself, has my cry started out large and then all of a sudden become complacent? Or will my cry continue until the job is done? Well, let's see what this old prophet does. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Okay, now he's telling Ahab, you get yourself up and you go eat and drink, because rain's coming. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up. Here's what Elijah did. This is what the prophet did. This is what the man of God did. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down on the earth. He didn't go eat and drink and celebrate. Wasn't done yet. He cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. That's a very humbled position. And said to his servant. Now, do you see how he had somebody working with him? He didn't go running around the countryside. He sent his servant out doing it. Do you see how we work together? He has sent his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing, no evidence of any kind of rain. And he said, go again seven times. In other words, it wasn't just a quick fix. It didn't happen right then, right there. You just keep going back seven times. You just keep going back as many times as it takes, believing for whatever it is you have before the Lord. That old prophet, he had a petition before the Lord. He proclaimed there was going to be rain and he wanted to see the evidence of it. And he says, you just keep go back and keep looking till you see it. You're going to see it. Didn't you have to do that over your healing? And you just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and kept at it until you saw it. Telling you something here. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, this generation of instant, instant. Well, yeah, God can do things instantly. And there's other times when he wants you to get your muscles exercised. It's instantly done when it was loosed. When he said, "There's," I hear the sound of abundance rain, it was done then, but he had to press for it. He had to keep pressing for it, to keep pressing for it. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Just this little bitty cloud coming up. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, 
prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. He says, you go let him know. He better get down there and run as fast as he can because rain's coming. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. Could you imagine how that felt after three and a half years? And then it just comes pouring down and Ahab rode. Now he had a chariot and horses and he's riding as fast as he can and went to Jezreel. Okay, now who do you want to be? The guy with the horse and rider trusting on natural things or do you want to be the man of God? And the hand of the Lord, I will go for the hand of the Lord, was on Elijah and he girded up his loins. He tightened up his clothes around him so that they wouldn't get in his way. And he ran before for Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He, the power of God hit him and he outran that horse and chariot. Which power do you want to rely on? I'm going to go for the hand of God. Bam! I'm going to go for the hand of God every time. I will not lean on the arm of flesh. I will not put my confidence in the natural things. I will trust in the Lord. And this is why he's so passionate. These are why these different men, notable men and women, and the Lord himself, Christ himself, were so passionate. That's why they were able to cry out like they did, because they know this one thing, James 5, 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you're fighting for that soul, you're going to save them from eternal death, and you're going to wash away all those sins. It's the most incredible, powerful, marvelous work that could be done on the face of this earth. And I'm going to close out with this. Colossians 4, 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And this I will do all my days as long as I am drawing breath and so will that old prophet. This is the declaration of God. This is the declaration for each soul to make that decision upon their own soul and their own walk. How will you walk it? How will you walk it? Be fervent, be passionate, cry out, and be like that old prophet there in the old days and in the new day. Don't quit until the job's done. There's a job that needs to be done. It is global. That cry needs to continue. And don't stop. Now that you know how to cry out, continue to build each other up Provoke one another to those good works and provoke that cry to go out till it fully be done. And there you go, our beloved friend Trish sharing a very personal experience and a very recent revelations from the Lord. And it's so important for us to to recognize a, a few of those really important factors that she was speaking of. That fervency, that fervent crying out, that never quit in our souls, that it doesn't matter. Once we loose that prayer, God hears it 
our faith is in God, the circumstances and what we see on the outward appearance is irrelevant. We believe in God. How do we have, how, how did you hear that strength? Did You heard that strength. I know you did. And I know it, it strengthened you as well. How did she get it? It's because she was raised by a true apostle. She was taught the word of God by a true apostle and is a part of a true fivefold ministry that simply believes the word cover to cover. No pages coming out, no man's interpretation, but the word of God reigns in her life and her husband's life. And so they, yes, have lived the word and continue to live the word and teach everyone within an earshot, including us today, how to simply live the word of God and have that keen expectation. But that fivefold ministry is so important. So if you're a part of a ministry that doesn't teach about the importance of the fivefold ministry, I want to encourage you to reach out to us. We have a lot of teaching on it and there's no dues to be paid. You know, your tithe is before the Lord between you and God. And in fact, at getyourloveon.org, we have teaching on how to ensure that your tithes and offerings are are um, before the Lord and are accomplishing the work that they're meant to accomplish. So you can get there. But we're not interested in any financial gain here. We're interested in the truth of God's word going out across the globe. And the importance of that fivefold ministry is outlined very specifically in Ephesians 4. We'll go to verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. That perfecting, it just means complete and whole. It just means that when we are faced with these immense challenges, we feel completely, completely ready by God Almighty himself to keep walking forward. One day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time sometimes. But we feel that readiness in our souls because we've been perfected by God. God's leadership, by God's perfect orchestration. It says, the fivefold ministries there, this is Ephesians 4, verse 12 now, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It's global. It's never a singular instance. It's never a one-off. It's global, always going on. And we need that. And it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You heard our friend Trish talk about the body of Christ and its importance, how we need each other. We need each other. We need true members of the body of Christ who will say, hey, let's get in the word. Don't get off in your own head. Let's get in the word. You know, there's been so, there's been multiple generations now of Christians who want to walk fully before God Almighty, who uh, haven't been taught fully how to walk before God Almighty. Where do we find that teaching? In the word. This is verse 13. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so let's walk in the fullness of Christ every second of every day, walking in his great victory, knowing that God has that bigger picture and that no matter the circumstance, we are victorious through Christ. I want to thank you so much for being here. I hope this show really blessed you. 
course, we'll be back next week. You can always review the show. Go to the podcast. Go to getyourloveon.org. And again, lots of incredible teaching to fill your soul and to give you the strength to march forward in Christ's eternal victory. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, keep your love on. Lord bless you mightily. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the one true God, keep your love on. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, 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 on. Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die.